Tuesday and welcome to the Colby Daniels podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products. You can visit their website, abotanicalcompany.com or give them a call 405-458-9699 as uh, my son is hanging out with me today during the broadcast. Um, 405-458-9699 or abotanicalcompany.com. Again, it, natural medicine products. If you have questions about what they have available, give them a call. Um, educate yourself on what they have and how it can benefit your daily life. By the way, when you order online and use the code Colby Show, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, Colby Show at checkout, you will save 15% on your online order. So abotanicalcompany.com. The discount code Colby Show for 15% off your online order. I'm really excited that we're able to save you guys some money this holiday season at Artisan Botanicals. All right, it is game day for the Oklahoma State Cowboys against the Miami Hurricanes in one of my favorite bowls, the Cheez-It Bowl. And that's mostly because Cheez-Its are awesome. But uh, yeah, the Cheez-It Bowl, Oklahoma State, Miami, 4.30 start today. I've gone back and forth on my excitement level for this game, and I think I've talked myself in and out of being excited about this matchup, but uh, it's college football. It's it's uh, brand name teams, and at the end of the day, I, I'm I, I think as as we get closer to it, I, I keep leaning more toward being excited again. Um, but look, I, I think both of these teams have pros and cons based on what we've seen from them. Both teams, I think, at times this season have looked really good and at times have been extremely disappointing. So it's an interesting matchup. Certainly, I, I think as far as off-season momentum, uh, there's a lot on the line for Oklahoma State. And then obviously, you know, Tylen Wallace finishing his career at Oklahoma State this afternoon as well. So big matchup. My guest is Zach Lancaster with PokesReport.com and Triple Play Sports Radio. Uh, Going to talk about this matchup and really Oklahoma State transitioning from this season to next season and what the future holds for the Cowboys. So here's my guest today, Zach Lancaster. Zach Lancaster, my friend, how are you? It's bowl day for Oklahoma State. We made it. I, I, I at least think that uh, as of now, this thing's going to happen. So it's a good sign that we at least made it to game day, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, I'm just I've been I've been counting down the been counting down the minutes. This the 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 bowl itself. Our one of our one of our writers, John Helsley. You know, he's like not much sexy about the Cheez It Bowl, but man, <laughs> that matchup against number eighteen Miami. That's that's going to be. I I think it could be one of the best bowls this season. I've kind of gone back and forth over the last couple of days on my excitement level over this game. I think I've talked <laughs> myself into liking the matchup, and then I've talked myself out of it at the same time. Yeah. And and I think part of it is because. Like what Oklahoma State team shows up? Certainly, the team that that we saw down the stretch wasn't a super exciting team to watch uh, play football. And then they they kind of redeemed themselves in the game that I really counted them out against Baylor when I didn't know what to expect, and it kind of felt like the season was over. And then for Miami, you know, against basically what like eight or nine of their their opponents, they just run over everybody. But then the two opponents that really mattered. They they got completely run over. So I don't know, man. I've I, like I said, I've talked myself in and out of this matchup, and and certainly I'm going to watch it. But um, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how this thing plays out. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm the same way because you look at you, this Miami team has the, the the capabilities, you know, of being really really good. You know, this this could end up being one of Oklahoma State's better matchups on the season. Um, but they're missing a couple of 
defensive starters they've opted out, you know, and uh, Derek King is is a different he's just a different animal, you know, and, and running quarterbacks really tend to hurt Oklahoma State. But if this if we have the defense that played against Baylor show up, you know, then are they going to be able to stop Derek King? Because we know they also give up big plays. But this is one of the best defenses in program history. And they're missing, you know, they're, they're, they're going to miss a couple of guys. Trace Ford's out, you know, with that ACL injury suffered against, uh, it was a TCU um, or was it Baylor? It's been so long. <laughs> it's been a crazy month. Um, but one of those two games and then uh, Radarius Williams opts out after the season's over, you know, and so uh, wish him all the best. You know, I'm, I, I'm not sure I agree with Tylen Wallace playing. You know, Tylen, he's that kind of guy, but he's risking a lot going yeah. out there. You know, and he tweaked that knee against TCU. So um, a lot of different factors going into this game. Um, I think I think Oklahoma State's going to be ready to play. I think that, I mean, they don't they don't really have anything to lose. You know, they don't really have anything to gain. Right. Um, with, you know, this isn't a semifinal game. You know, this isn't a semifinal bowl game to try to get you to a national championship. It's not a New Year's Six Bowl, but this is a quality opponent. Uh, everyone knows that a, a, a solid bowl win helps in recruiting throughout the off season. You know, it gives the fan boost a huge boost. You know, we're not having to we're not having to listen. You know, we're not having to to, to listen to to griping and moaning right. throughout the off season. And I get it. You know, I'm a fan too. It's it's frustrating when probably the most anticipated season with the most talent across the board doesn't go their way. It happens in the middle of a pandemic. You know, you deal with injuries and setbacks and this and that and you lose three games in a year you probably should have made the cfp you know that's that's just the way it goes so this a, a win today would be huge for multiple things yeah i think we at times underestimate the the impact of of like a morale boost from a bowl win and and i'm one of those people that that certainly i don't discount the bowls but i also don't like put all of my eggs into the bowl basket, if that makes sense. You know, I'm not going to like look at the, the conference bowl records and say, well, this conference is good and this conference is bad based on bowl records, uh, you know, for, for the reason of t people opting out. And, and like we just talked about, I mean, that sometimes you question whether or not a team is even showing up. And, and I, I don't mean like they're not going to try when they get out there. I think when we talk about that, that's in reference to maybe their care factor isn't that high leading up to the game and their preparation isn't where it should be. I fully believe that everybody, when they get on the football field, gives everything they have to try and win the game. But preparation is a completely different story. All that said, again, I think the the overall morale boost that is generated from a bowl win is, is something that maybe we don't, we don't, talk about enough or give enough credit for, I guess, going into an off season. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I had, a, I was had a conversation with Tom Dorado yesterday. Um, you know, and we both came to the same conclusion. It's not, you know, this win isn't, you know, the old, the old cliche. This is the, the first win of the new season. <laughs> this game has no bearing on, on the 2021 season, but you know, and I've, I said this on my show, I, I think this game is a must win, not in terms of, of the 21 season, but like we just mentioned, in the terms of offseason, if if they lose this game, I mean, I'm they're not gonna they're not gonna miss out on recruits because they're well, you couldn't beat Miami, you guys lost. But but in terms of morale, I mean, I, I think that that Oklahoma State proved better than anyone else that that they can they can practice and play and do things safely in the midst of COVID. So they're I think they'll have a full offseason. You know, they'll have guys in the weight room. They'll have they'll have spring football. 
And if you go into if you go into weight training that January, February, you know, those two months of, of weight training with a win over Miami and a quarterback that, that's going to come back and, and, and could potentially be a Heisman candidate at some point, that's a huge boost. And you got the fan base. They're like, you know what? Probably, you know, I, I decided not to get season tickets this past year, you know, COVID aside, but. Man, that's this team. That was an impressive win. I, I think I'm excited for the next year. You know, it gives them a boost. They they kind of forget about those three losses uh, for a little bit. So yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is a must win in terms of off season. Yeah, I don't think it it necessarily erases the disappointment that was this season. No, of course. Because not. I mean, you talked about the expectations a second ago. Uh, they were drastically higher than what actually happened. But yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you lose a fourth game. That, that bitter taste that's already there, I think, is magnified if you lose this matchup. And again, the, the goal wasn't to beat Miami in a, in a Cheez-It Bowl to start the season, but yeah. just, just feeling like they finished the season in the right path with the big win over Baylor and a win over Miami, um, again, I think just, it just helps you get through the offseason toward 2021 in a, in a much better light than it would I, like it, it just kind of looks like there could be a very dark cloud over the program all offseason if they were to lose a fourth game in this year that you know some people said that the CFP was obtainable no for sure you know and and I, I think Oklahoma State fans are a little bit different <clears throat> than other fan bases now you know there's a lot of people out there that live and die with their school you know there, there's no doubt about that but Oklahoma State has always had a family feel to it and so like these past few weeks when you have players like, all right, you know what, I'm going to, I have to, like when Tevin Jenkins opted out, when Chuba opted out, uh, Radarius Williams, like, oh, they're quitting on the team. <laughs> you know, you're quitting on your brothers. Oh, and then you, you, so you have that feeling and then you add a loss to it. You know, like you said, a fourth loss on a season that at the very least should have won a Big 12 championship with hopes of getting into the CFP. You had a, you had a fourth loss on top of players opting out that could have made a, an impact yeah, in this game to win. Uh, yeah, it's talk about a dark cloud, man. I I agree with you on that for sure. I've seen I've seen people on social media kind of I, I guess throwing stones, if you will, at, at the opt out guys. And like you kind of just mentioned, the whole like team player type thing. And and obviously, I think that is becomes a bigger issue when you have a guy like Tylen Wallace who's playing and and yeah. obviously is going to be a you know a, a probably second day. Uh, draft pick versus you know some of these other guys not going out there um i it's so unfair i i think to to try and criticize one guy for for how he's going to handle this thing i i've talked about this a lot this week and, and for example yesterday when i was doing the podcast like during the show the the two florida receivers both opted out of the cotton bowl mm -hmm. And like that's that's extremely disappointing for a game that Absolutely. we're going to cover and we're going to watch. And not only is this our job, but we also enjoy what we do. So it kind of impacts us in two ways. But I, I said this yesterday about the Florida situation. I think the same thing is true of even Tylen Wallace, who is playing. If you're a guy that has the opportunity to play at the next level, like I, I don't know if, if you're not in a college football playoff or something like that, there's not a championship on the line. I don't know what there is to gain necessarily versus what there is to lose in one of these situations, uh, like a, a bowl matchup in a Cheez-It Bowl or even a Cotton Bowl that's much more prestigious than, than a Cheez-It Bowl. But, you know, I, I just ask people that disagree with me. I'm like, if you were this kid's parent, 
I mean, what would your advice be? I, I can't imagine that, that the majority of people would tell their kid, hey, you need to go play this football game that you're not getting paid for against a team that, you know, who knows if they even want to be there in an exhibition yeah. game when, you know, the NFL draft is right around the corner and your future is is waiting for you. You just have so much more to lose, I think, than you do to to gain in a situation like this. I don't blame any of these guys. No, and I, I understand it from a fan standpoint. Because from a fan standpoint, they they are not going to benefit from the potential millions of dollars that these guys could earn right. in the next six to seven months. They look at it as, I'm an Oklahoma State fan. You're an Oklahoma State player. You signed up for four or five years worth of scholarship. And at the last minute, you're opting out. You're quitting on your team. You're quitting on your brothers. Why are you doing this? I played football. I didn't quit on my team. <laughs> So I get it. But look at all of the guys that have opted out so far this year or that that could opt out. Tevin, Tevin Jenkins opts out after after Bedlam. What happened to Tevin in Bedlam? Tevin hurt his back. Yeah, that's a massive injury that could be horrible down the future. I've heard, I hurt my back. I was a delivery driver. It's debilitating. You can't you can't go to the bathroom properly, you know. And so a guy that could end up being a $40 million guy right. who played over 400 snaps without allowing a sack, I think his last sack he gave up was in 2018. You know, that's three seasons ago. And then Rodarius Williams gets nicked up in the TCU game, you know, injured. Right. You look at Chuba. Chuba opts out before the end of the year. Chuba had a terrible year. Why? Because he was banged up all year. Tylen. Tylen has a potential, like you said, he could end be, he could end up being an early second uh, second day guy. Maybe things happen. He could be a late first round guy. I don't know. I mean, it, it'd be it's a possible. steal. Yeah. But Tylen gets hurt in the TCU game. He tweaks the same knee that he tore his ACL in. These, if Tylen tears his ACL, if Tylen gets hurt, Tylen's going to make a practice squad. Tylen's going to make the the league minimum. If he gets drafted, if he gets drafted, and if he doesn't, he's going to be a practice squad guy because he's not going to be the same guy. It was a miracle that Tylen came back and was as good, if not a little bit better, than he was before he tore that ACL. So I, I don't, I, I don't want Tylen to play. I understand why he's coming back because Tylen, you, you've covered him. Tylen's yeah. a ride or die guy. Those are his guys. We, I knew from. I knew from before the Baylor game that Tylen wasn't going to opt out or, you know, that, that he was going to make his decision after the bowl game. You know, you know what? I, I have a, I have that extra year, but I'm going to I'm heading to the NFL. I appreciate all my time. That wasn't going to happen until after after the bowl game, you know. So I don't I don't agree with the people because you're, you're telling, OK, Tylen and Rodarius, these, these guys and Tevin, these guys are making generational money. Yeah. The money that, and, and Chuba too, I think, I think Chuba's going to, I think he's going to pan out and he's going to be just fine. These guys are going to make money. That's going to impact their great, great grandkids. Uh, especially Rodarius. Those guys Rodarius, are all going to be millionaires. I mean, absolutely. bottom line. Yeah. And, and, and you look at Rodarius and he, he boosted his draft stock three or four rounds this season. And so I, I don't, I understand the fan aspect I don't agree with it. You know, you're telling me that if you had an opportunity, you let's say you signed a contract to work for a company and you had an opportunity come along that you could break that contract without consequence and to better your family, go take a better job. Sorry, bud. You got six more months on that contract. You can't you can't leave. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then something happens and you no longer have that opportunity and you're just stuck. You know, I, I, I don't it. 
th- th- this goes both ways, and not all the time they they look at it that way. Well, if Tylen Wallace tears an ACL today, nobody's going to pay. No, no, fans aren't going to put together millions of dollars to pay the difference no. in what he would have made from a draft standpoint. Um, you know, no. for the guy that says. Um, like, I, I, I didn't quit on my team. I played till the end. Well, you probably didn't have a million dollars on the line when you got to the finish line of your situation either. Here's the other thing. I, I get the whole, like, you signed a contract, you need to honor it. Guess what? If Oklahoma State decided that any one of these guys wasn't good enough to be on their football team right now or they found somebody better, you know what they would do? They would let them go. It's yeah. it's not like Oklahoma State is is on the other side of this, like – just obligated to hold on to these guys for four years and make sure that they get their degrees and everything else. Like it's a two way street where I think both sides are looking out for their own best interest. Here's the other thing. We coaches leave all the time. We hold players to this, this like double standard that we don't hold anybody else in the sport to. And they're the ones that aren't even getting paid for, for what they do. I mean, it's, it's wild to me. And look, is, is it a problem with college football? Yes. I think the opt-out situation is a problem with college football, but until you change things, I don't. I, there's not a better solution because, like I said, if that's my kid, my advice is do not play. Go get ready for the draft. You have millions of dollars on the line. You don't want to be Jalen Smith. Yeah, my my thing. If you know, if for for Tylen, if if you want to be there for your brothers, that's fine. Just don't opt out. <laughs> you know, show up. You know, he was at the, he was, you know, he, he wasn't at the Baylor game, but guess what? He can, he can suit up. He can stand on the sidelines. He can go through pregame. He can go through the rituals. There's no reason for you to go out there and risk it. You know, Rodarius, same way. You know, there, there was no reason for Rodarius. Rodarius made his money. Rodarius isn't going to change any NFL scouts by playing against Baylor. He's not going to change any NFL scouts mind about, about playing, playing, playing Miami in a bowl game. He's done it. You know, I, I there was a stat PF uh, Pro Football Focus sent out yesterday. It was uh, like 500 some on snaps without missing a tackle. Without yeah, I saw that. Tackle. Yeah, I mean it's insane. You know, Rodarius has made his money. Tevin has made his money. You know, there's no reason for those guys to go back out there. And like like you said, Thailand. If Thailand tears his ACL today, knock on wood, God forbid that ever happens. That's it. I I think Thailand would get picked up, but he's not he's not getting drafted. If he does, he's going six, seven yeah, rounds. Yeah, very very late. You know. Yeah. So it's it, it's it's one of those situations. And, and I I got news for the people that hate opt outs. It's going to get a lot worse. Yeah, it's not <laughs> this, ending. This, this is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, and and I think what what amplifies Oklahoma State with with opt-outs is they typically don't have opt-outs yeah you know like justice hill opted out uh he he left a little early but but that doesn't happen oklahoma state typically doesn't have and but something that you need to be excited about is oklahoma state has opt-outs that means they have guys good enough to go to the nfl early enjoy it enjoy it because guess what sending guys to the nfl especially sending guys to the nfl early what does that equate to better recruits yeah so i it sucks sure enjoy it because it's it, that means your program is on the up by the way i'm not I, i'm not in any way rooting for opt-outs i i don't like it i i hate the fact no, that would, like all these I'm guys gonna, aren't playing today i hate the fact that all those florida guys in the cotton bowl tomorrow yeah. aren't playing like it takes away from the game and the matchup and all that stuff and look i i absolutely appreciate that that's the mentality that tylen wallace has i love that about him 
And and honestly, yeah. I think that that for me makes him even more valuable if you're talking about, you know, wanting a guy like that on your football team at the next level. I'm just looking at it from a business perspective and putting my fandom aside and how much I, I just love watching football aside. If if any one of these people were close to me and I was looking out for their best interest, that's what my advice would be. So, um, I you know, I, I, I'm glad Tylen Wallace is is playing and I hope I hope nothing happens, and and I hope he has a, a big day, and he's able to finish his college career the you know the way that he hopes uh, it's going to finish. But uh, yeah, it's just it's it's a tough situation. It's not ending anytime soon, and certainly with Oklahoma State, I mean, you're talking about a team that had quite a few NFL guys, and it, it turns out that Tylen Wallace is kind of the last one that's uh, available this season. It, it, how 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 involved do you think he's going to be today? Knowing Tylen. I think if, if it were up to him, he would go out there and probably play every single snap. Um, realistically, I don't think he should play more than 50%. Like, I, I, I think 50% is like the far tail end absolute max, and I don't, I don't even think it should be that. I think he should go, because the, the good thing is we saw what happened against Baylor. Dylan Stoner, and, and you go back to last year when Tylen went out, Dylan Stoner is more than capable of being a really good outside receiver. You know, he put up over 200 yards at career high against Baylor. He puts up three touchdowns. I mean, he was just electric. So you shift him out of the the slot receiver. You move him outside. You play Tylen a little bit. You give him five, six receptions. You let him get some yards. You let him score a touchdown or two because Tylen can do it like that. And then you put him on the sideline. Don't risk it. You take his helmet. You hide his helmet. Don't you? Well, where's your helmet, Tylen? I don't, I don't know. Can I borrow someone else's? No, man. Sorry, COVID. Sorry. You know, I, 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 I think he'll probably play as much as, as he can. Um, I, I just, I, he shouldn't. I, 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 I don't have a bad feeling. You know, I'm not, I'm not sitting here with, a, with dread in my gut, but I, I don't think he should risk it. But I, I think it'll, I, I think he'll probably play about as much as he can. What do you expect from the Oklahoma State offense today? Because most of the year, they were pretty disappointing. Uh, Baylor yeah. kind of, I, I think, shocked us all to all of a sudden see this like offensive explosion. And, and you mentioned Dylan yeah. Stoner, who was outstanding against Baylor. But, uh, I, I mean, I don't know about you. I was completely stunned to see them just all of a sudden like figure it out, so to speak. But uh, is that what we see again today? Is, is it back to the, the struggles? Like, I, I don't know where to set my expectation I guess I have a feeling that it's going to be somewhere in the middle um I I think that I think Spencer is going to play well um I I think I think he has his struggles which I think was probably the for me anyway one of the most disappointing things of the year uh I I get that he's only played two seasons but he was he was a, a killer in high school you know he was in the system for a year under Cornelius and he's played two years these issues shouldn't be issues anymore you know because I, I can I can live with turnovers I can't live with bad turnovers and that's what we've dealt with the past two years is bad turnovers um I think the running game is going to be just fine you know Gundy said earlier this week LD is going to be back we we saw I think we knew that Dominic Richardson was going to be a talented running back I don't think anyone expected his freshman year for him to be a dominant uh, a dominating running back um so he's going to be good Des Jackson really surprised a lot of people. Um, obviously the coaches saw something in him or they wouldn't have brought him here, brought him here. Uh, but for him to, to do that, 
uh, as early as he did. That was that was impressive. So I think the running game is going to be good. Uh, they're looking at having Hunter Anthony and Cole Birmingham back. Um, that's going to be huge for the offensive line. Um, and, and we saw the game after Oklahoma to the end of the year. The offensive line was was pretty decent. You know, they they weren't giving up too many sacks and, and they they weren't great, you know, but they were pretty solid. Um, so you get Birmingham and Hunter Anthony back and that shifts Josh Seals back to uh, Josh Seals back to a uh, to a guard position, which is where he's really good. Um, so I think the offensive line should be good, which should provide Spencer enough time as long as he doesn't stand in the pocket for six, seven, eight seconds trying to find a receiver that's not open. Um, and then the receivers are obviously good. So if they can, you know, if if the offensive line does its job and protects Spencer, I think the receivers can do enough. Um, it it all every bit of it rests on Spencer. I think he's he's for me that one question mark because he's so athletic, he's so talented. Can he get it right between the ears? I, I think I think that's going to be the big thing today. And he's had enough time off to kind of reset, take a breather get past those issues. I think he, I think it's some, a happy, a happy medium somewhere between Baylor and, and, and struggles. There's, there's going to be struggles, but I, I don't think it's going to be like TCU. I, I think they'll, I think they'll be okay. How about the defense? We, we already talked about Derek King and, and just how dangerous mm-hmm. he is, the dual threat guy. I mean, we saw him play in Norman a couple years ago, and that was yeah. that was pretty disappointing, honestly, because it just kind of felt like Dana Holgerson's offense had, had kind of taken away uh, what he did well, and, and obviously he leaves, and, and Miami has kind of allowed him to, to go back to playing the brand of football that we've seen throughout this year that, that has really made him special. But um, he's kind of, I mean, he's, he's the guy, right? Like, I, when I watch Miami, it's, it's De'Ara King. It's the De'Ara King show. I don't necessarily, like, come away from watching Miami and think, like, you got to circle this guy and this guy and this guy. Like, it's, it's all predicated on De'Ara King and, and what he does. No, absolutely. I mean, he's he's a he's a talented quarterback. He's an athletic quarterback, which which should worry people because Oklahoma State has has really struggled against running quarterbacks. I mean, he's got 520 uh, 520 uh, yards this season. He's put up four touchdowns. That's second uh, second on the team behind uh, Cameron Harris, and he's thrown for almost twenty six hundred yards. I mean, that's that should be Spencer Sanders, you know, like that's, those yeah. two should mirror each other. Um, and, and the defense, I think the defense will be good. Obviously you're, you're missing, uh, you're missing Radarius Williams. So you're going to need, um, you're going to get, you're going to need guys to step up. You know, you, you, you really are going to need, um, you're going to need Christian Holmes to kind of figure it out a little bit, you know, so it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do. You're obviously missing Trace Ford, and that's going to be that's going to be a big loss. But you've got all your linebackers. You know, you got Amen, you got uh, you've got Malcolm Rodriguez, you've got edge rushers and Calvin Bundage. Um, the back end is the same. You should have Trace Sterling back to where he's. You know, we 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 saw him go down uh, against TCU. He didn't play against Baylor. He should be back and ready to go. Uh, Colby Harvell Peel should be ready to go. I mean, the, the defense should be good. I, you're going to see some big plays give up, give up. You know, I, I think gave up. That, that's just one of those things. Uh, we saw it against Texas Tech. We saw it against Kansas State. We saw it against OU. We saw it against Baylor a few times. Um, so it's 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 bound to happen. It's but can you contain De'Ara King? Um, he's he's good enough to beat you by himself. But 
you know, like you said, there there are a couple guys that that aren't playing. There's some injuries on that team, and I think I think Jim Knowles should have his defense ready to go. But you know, you go back to what Gundy had said uh, earlier in the week. In a normal year, they're having what 14, 15 bowl practices. Yeah. They've had less than ten, yeah. and they let their they let their their team go home, which which I absolutely love and I agree with. You know, that was one of the main reasons you had multiple teams opting out of bowl games because they've been on campus since June. And there are some schools that don't allow their kids to see their their parents. You know, OSU, they have they have parents travel to the games and they get to go home for holidays and stuff like that. But, you know, that for for young, I mean, it, I'm 29 and I went a month and a half without seeing my folks because of covid, you know, and I've, I've FaceTimed them a few times. But there's. I can't imagine a kid that's, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old that's fresh out of home, you know, that still lives with mom and dad when they're not in when they're not on campus, not getting to see their parents for four or five months. That's that's just brutal. So I, I agree with with letting everyone go home for Christmas. Um, but less than 10 practices is a hell of a hell of a lot different than, you know, 15 to 16 practices. So that that'll be interesting to see if that affects that at all. How do you grade the job that Casey Dunn has has uh, done this season in in year number one as the OC? It, I know it's been kind of a, a rough one, but I mean, how much of that is on him? How much of that is just circumstance? Is is there any maybe uh, like uneasiness about that position going forward? I don't think so. I I don't think there's any uneasy uneasiness. Um, I would be willing to put an asterisk by his first year. At, at OC because so much happened, you know, that you're, you, you're dealing with a pandemic, so you don't get spring football. You don't really have a full summer, a slate of, a slate of summer workouts. I, they, they can't practice, you know, team practices over the summer, but the guys get together and they, you know, they throw balls around and they run routes and they work on this and they work on that and there's workouts and stuff. You don't really get that. You, you kind of have a weird, uh, weird fall camp. You don't really know that, you know, back looking back on it, you know, they, they, they did a great job, you know, and they, they might've been a little too careful at times. Um, but you, you have a weird fall, you know, you start the season a month late, Tulsa has to postpone. So you push it back another week. That first game, you lose two offensive linemen, your quarterback goes down for three or four weeks, uh, your starting running back who had 2,100 yards the year before and 21 touchdowns is banged up all year long and can't really get going, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's tough. I, I it's think, been a tough year. Yeah. I mean, I think he, I think he was kind of handcuffed a little bit. I, I think that's now there, there were some, there were some situations in games where you're like, why are you running the ball on first and second down and throwing on third <laughs> down every single drive? What are you doing? Yeah. Mix it up a little bit. Um, but I, I think he was, I think, I think it's a little bit of everything, to be honest with you. I think it was a little bit of first year play calling jitters. I think it's, you're dealing with injury. I think you're dealing with a pandemic. I think you're dealing with no spring, no summer. You're dealing with a ton of injuries. I know I've said that twice, but that that's huge. You know, you don't lose offensive linemen. You don't lose Chuba all year long. You don't lose Spencer for the first three games. You know, I, it's it's a lot of what ifs. It's a lot of a lot of what if scenarios. But yeah, I I think you have to put an asterisk by it. And I'm not concerned about. I, I don't. I'm not really worried moving forward. Um, OSU proved that they can. You know, God forbid this pandemic goes on any further. But 
you know, I, I think they proved better than anyone in the country that they can do it safely. They didn't never lost a starter to, to positive cases. Um, and the positives they did have didn't really affect the program. Um, it was just a couple isolated incidents that they could keep isolated. So I think I think they should be able to have a full slate of spring. Um, I think summer should be. I think by the time we get to summer, things should be pretty calm in in terms of pandemic. As if this you know if all these vaccines go well. So I think I think 21 looks promising. Um, you're losing talent. There's no doubt. You're losing you know you're losing Chuba. You're losing Tylen. You're losing Dylan Stoner. Um, Is Dylan Stoner leaving? Ro- What's that? Oh, uh, yeah. He is. He's not going to come yeah. back. Nope. Bowl game is uh, the bowl game is his last game. Wow. He, he, we talked to him um, uh, last week. I think it was before. I think like Tuesday or Wednesday, and he said this this bowl game is his last game. Um, and I think I think Dylan Dylan has a chance, man. Dylan Dylan screams Julian Edelman. You know, he he screams that Patriots inside receiver that I mean he's not afraid to go across yeah. the middle and he's solid bringing down balls and uh, so so you're losing some offensive weapons you're losing some defensive weapons um, don't know you know like you've got some seniors coming back you don't know uh, like we <laughs> we found out from a pretty reliable source that Josh Sills uh, is going to come back and then Josh comes back and he was like I haven't made that decision my family's <laughs> going to talk about that after the bowl game so. Uh, well, we don't know if he's coming back. We don't know about LD yet. Um, but there's a lot of talent coming back without those guys. Um, and if you're, you know, if you've got a full spring and a full summer, I think, I think Casey Dunn should do well, you know, plus it's his second year. So those, those first year jitters should be, should be out the door. What about those defensive guys? Are, are, I mean, is everybody that is, is able to come back, coming back defensively? That I'm, I'm not sure yet. You know, that's, um, Oklahoma State is also, a, you know, we, we talk about Oklahoma State being a family. Um, Mike Gundy has done a really, really good job in during his during his tenure at head coach of really sealing that place up. Not much gets outside <laughs> the walls of of the West End Zone. Um, and and I know you're thinking, well, Zach, you work for Robert Allen. Robert's the sideline guy. He's in Mike Gundy's pocket. That's true. We have a couple of secrets up our sleeves. Um, but I, I've been I, told sure. many things that I'm, I'm not able to repeat over the years. I so I, yeah, no, I, I get that. I got two or three right now yeah. that he'd fire me if yeah. anything got out. <laughs> I'm a reporter again. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I'm not sure, you know, um, the defense would be really good if, if amen decided to come back. If, if, uh, if Malcolm decided to come back, if, you know, Christian Holmes decided to come back. He's he's a solid guy on the outside. If you got Calvin Bundage to decide he wants to come back for right. another year, you know, and I think Calvin, you know, that was something he talked about at the beginning of the year when we talked about his injuries. Uh, he was like, yeah, I worked to get back to try to make the NFL. I think another year would really prove that he could make the NFL. I'm not saying that he's great and he's going to be in the NFL, but NFL scouts could probably benefit from another year of watching him play. Um, I think this defense could be really good. Now, I don't know. Um, I don't have a feel for for Trey Sterling or Colby Harvell Peel if they're going to try their hand at the NFL a little bit early. Um, the good thing is they get NFL grades, you know, and they can figure right. out what, you know, they get a real feel for the NFL, what they what the NFL thinks of them, and then they can make their decision. So um, you kind of go back to last year. We, we started figuring out what players were leaving, what players were coming back. 
Um, I think Tylen was the first when he announced on New Year's Day last year, and then we got Rodarius to come back, and a few weeks later, Chuba announced he was coming back. So I think I think about a week week after the bowl game, within within a week of the bowl game, I think I think we'll have a lot of answers about about guys that are coming back. So. I would have never guessed that about Stoner, and, and not because I don't think he's talented or anything. I just thought, mm-hmm. I, I guess I just assumed that sure. when you saw what he did against Baylor, having a whole nother year to kind of be that number one guy and, and really show off the skill set, I thought would just, it seemed like the, the natural move. But, um, well, wow, yeah, think, that's, that's awesome. I think with Dylan, um, and, and I, don't, I don't know this for sure, but... I think you look at the outside, and, and Langston Anderson is is the next obvious choice to take over for Tylen. Um, uh, Dylan, to me, he's good enough to play that outside. He's proved it multiple times. He's good enough to be that number one outside receiver. Um, but I that's just, not. His I, I have a feeling that if I have a feeling that if Dylan were to come back, they'd stick him inside. Yeah. You know, and that that would that Dylan is an inside receiver. Right. You know, he's and and that's not a bad thing. Dylan's been very successful on the inside and he's proved that he could go outside if he needs to. Um, But but he told the media and I'm sure this has a lot to do with it. And I'm sure there's other reasons as well. But, you know, he's like, I've been here five years. You know, I'm 23 years old. He got he got engaged on Christmas. It's for him. It's It's I'm I'm ready to move on. It's time to go. Yeah. Yeah, I could. Could you imagine that though, Dylan sticking around for six years? And I and I I get that. You know, college football, you're supposed to be here for four. Yeah. Most guys redshirt. You're dealing with five years. Dylan's gonna be, if he came back, probably be the second oldest guy on the team <laughs> right. behind Tom. He'd be the the OSU version of Jordan Shipley, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I, I get it. I, I get it. I would love to see Dylan stick around, but six years with a bunch of college kids, man, that's that's rough. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> that's rough what's the importance of, of this game in terms of Spencer Sanders and going into an off season where I think we all kind of anticipate there's going to be a legitimate quarterback battle. It's everything. Absolutely. Everything. Um, I think that, you know, and I've, I've said this the past month, month and a half since I've been back on radio and back into the swing of things. Um, Spencer needs to be worried about his performance today, moving into the spring. Now with, with that being said, um, I, I, I think that Shane Illingworth would have to have a massive spring to, to overtake Spencer and the starting position. Um, I, it could happen. Um, I, I still think they enter the fall with Spencer as the starting quarterback. But what it's going to do, I, I don't think there was really any fear. Now, to be fair, Shane was out a few weeks with covid you know, and, and, and he dealt with it earlier in the year, so he, he wasn't prepared for some games. But I don't know if there was any legitimate fear this year for Spencer of, I'm struggling, they're going to pull me, and they're going to put Shane in the game, they're going to replace me. I don't know if there was any genuine fear. If Spencer struggles today and goes into the spring, we know that we know that Shane can handle this level. We know that he can handle the pressure. Um, he's still young. I mean, that was he I, I don't think anyone expected Shane to, to be thrust into uh, into playing his first year, the first couple of weeks with Spencer going down. But we saw that he has the potential. He has the arm. He has the ability to go through his reads, his progressions, hit the open receivers. Um, I think he had one turnover this year um, and don't even really fault him for that interception. Um 
but I, I think Shane is really, really going to push Spencer. Um, the, the problem here, here's the bit of a dilemma that the, the coaches I'm sure have been thinking about for a while. If Shane has a monster spring, if he, if he takes that step and, and he figures it out and he clicks and he can beat Spencer out, I don't think Spencer stays. No, I, I, and then, and then what do you have? You have Ethan Bullock and you got to walk on and Gunner Gundy behind, behind Shane. If you start Spencer, you've got Shane, you know, and, and I don't think Shane goes anywhere because technically Shane will be a freshman next year, not a, you know, right. he'll be a sophomore right. or a red or a red shirt freshman. He'll be a true freshman with the NCAA's COVID rules. So, um, that's, that's a fine, fine line. These, the, the coaches are going to have to walk because, I think Shane very possibly could have a big spring, but do you risk starting Shane? If Shane gives you the best chance to win, do you risk starting Shane over Spencer? Because if you're Spencer, you're going into your fourth year, you're going to be a redshirt junior, and all of a sudden the freshman's starting over you. There are a lot, a lot, a lot of schools that would give up just about anything to have Spencer Sanders come to their program. So it's it's tricky. But, yeah, I, I think Spencer really needs to worry going into the spring because I, I, I think Shane is it, it's going to be a it'll be a quarterback battle until the fall I, I think it's it's going to be a lot of fun uh, a lot of fun to watch and I'm really hoping that that COVID they figure it all out because I want to be there man <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to those spring practices no I doubt go to fall camp I'm trying to watch some stuff it's it that's going to be a lot of fun yeah I, I, he's I think Shane is really going to push Spencer um, but with all that said, I still think they go into the fall with, with Spencer as that starter, as a starting quarterback. What is your feeling on Spencer Sanders' ceiling? Because all of last year, I'm watching this guy, and, and we all understand the skill set is incredible, right? He's got For a sure. big arm. He can throw the football. He can run. I mean, he, he seems durable as far as uh, just the body build. I mean, he looks like a guy that when he figures it out upstairs, maybe, is going to be an yeah. all-conference or maybe better level quarterback, but I think so, so all of last year, I thought the ceiling for this guy is through the roof. And then you watch all of this year and it didn't really seem like he ever took steps forward. Not that he was worse, but just, I I just didn't think he was any better either. So I I think that that brings the question, like, where is the real ceiling? Has he already maximized maybe what he's capable of? Is he what he is at this point? Or is there still a lot of room for, for him to get better i mean how do you kind of evaluate that at this point because i think it's tough that's true it's it is it's very tricky um and and that's what's most frustrating about it because i don't know how much you watched of him in high school or how much of his high school tape you've seen just the highlight videos i mean he would his highlight videos aren't they aren't just the good stuff like his highlight tape is what he was in high school there there's kids you build a high school you build that highlight reel right and you're looking at 60% 60% great and then 40% of pure crap that no one will ever see unless they search the game but the game tapes. Right. Um Spencer was he was insane. Spencer could do whatever he wanted whenever he wanted to whoever he wanted. I mean, he was the Texas uh, player of the year, right? Ab- yeah, yeah. Absolutely. He was he was insane. And and that's what's frustrating because with him coming in, you were just like, okay, this kid, he gets it. He's going to be able to make that transition. Um, there, there shouldn't be any issues. There might be some struggles to like the first year he plays because the, the talent level is, is so much different than Texas five, a football, 
But with what he did against Texas 5A football, there shouldn't be too many issues. The first year, I think he struggled way, way more than anyone ever anticipated. Um, but as the season progressed, he got a little better. He got a little better. He got a little better. He figured it out as the season went on, and then he gets hurt. Um, and so you're like, well, that really sucks, you know, because we were excited to see what he could do. So I think the natural thought process was that he should be able to figure it out in the spring, eliminate those, uh, eliminate than half of those turnovers, figure it out a little bit, get a little bit more comfortable. Um, he didn't, you know, I mean, at times he showed flashes where he was just spectacular. Um, but there were there were more times where he really struggled, um, struggled with hands off, struggled, struggled with fumbling the ball, struggled with his, I mean, standing in the pocket for six, seven, eight seconds looking for receivers that haven't been open since the second second, you know, so I, I, I still think that Spencer has a really high ceiling. I, I don't think it's as high as it as as I thought it could have been. Um, but I, I think Spencer could end up being a really solid quarterback. You know, I, I, I don't I he could be, you know, like you said, all conference. There's a chance he could be a little bit better. Um, but he is I, I, all of his issues are mental. You know, because his arm is yeah. not an issue. You know, his, his running is not an issue. His, his decision-making is is an issue at times. Um, but but other than that, he can figure it out. It's, it's, it's his head. He's got to figure out, you know, he's got to figure out that time clock. You know, he's got to, like, more than half the season, his going through his progressions was Tylen Wallace. You know, there were plenty of times where the left side of the field was wide open or Dylan across the middle or got, and he's, he is zeroed in on Tylen Wallace streaking down that right sideline. Um, so he's he's got to figure it out. I, I still think he can have I, I still think he can have a good spring and and, and figure it out um, and and have a pretty solid career. I just I, I I don't know about the court of public opinion though. I, I think a majority of the fan base realizes that he's athletic and that he's talented. I don't I don't think. The majority of the fan base, though, really cares because they saw Shane Illingworth and and what he what the potential that he has and the potential that he shows. So it's I, I think Spencer's got an uphill battle for sure, but I, I think he can do it if he can figure it out in the spring. Well, look, I'm uh, I'm I'm just excited we made it this long into a podcast without having multiple opt outs because at this time yesterday yeah. we had two over the course of like thirty minutes and, and it was a. A complete scramble, but as it stands, I, I haven't seen any Oklahoma State players opt out of this this matchup since we've been uh, talking. So that's a good sign. By the way, what is your favorite uh, favorite kind of cheese? It original. Plain. Original. Okay. I I'm I there. I haven't had the is it double cheese? Yeah. Um. I, I haven't had that. I've I've heard I've heard two vastly different opinions. I've heard they're pretty solid. And I've heard it's one of the worst things they've ever eaten. <laughs> uh, and I, that's not enough middle ground for me to, Fair enough. to, try, Fair double, enough. to try, try double cheese. And, and, and you know, I, I, I'm one of those guys that I get burnt on new things. You know, I, I oh, that looks good. I'm going to try that. And it ends up being awful. And so I go back to the original. So I'm, I'm an original cheese it kind of guy. Um, I'm trying to convince Robert to bring me one of those sweet Cheez-It Bowl boxes of Cheez-Its. Oh, yes. It's got the, it's got the foil all over it. Yeah. 
Hey, I'm, I'm trying to we get, just need to call. If to he doesn't do it, we just need to call him out. I mean, publicly I shame him if he doesn't do that for you. I will. I've got a website <laughs> and a radio show. Absolutely. I'll help you. I'll help you. Um, <laughs> hot and spicy, by the way. Hot and spicy. Good, huh? Yeah. If you like spicy stuff. I mean, it's. I don't think it's how, spicy, how but... Spicy? I, I, my, my, my adult taste buds, I feel, are coming in. Um, I'm almost 30, and I feel like I'm finally getting my adult <laughs> taste buds. Uh, so, like... <laughs> Right. If if you go to like if you go to Thai Cafe in Stillwater, spice level three is where I'm at. Okay, then you can handle hot and spicy. Okay. Yeah, Thai Cafe, uh, by the way. I mean, all time uh, great place. Probably. Probably my favorite place in Stillwater. Oh, by far. I mean, yeah. Like Eskimo Joe's is really good. Um, you know, like the cheese fries are fantastic. Yeah. But that's that's why you go to Joe's. You don't go to Joe's for the burger. You go to Joe's for the cheese fries. And for um, the atmosphere and to, to just kind of sure. like be at Joe's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, their lemonade is really good. Yeah, their lemonade. <laughs> I have not. Super super solid. You go, to, go there during the summer and get a plate of cheese fries and a cup of lemonade and you won't be disappointed. I don't think I've uh, ever ordered anything from Joe's that wasn't a beer. I mean, if I'm being honest. Get you a lemonade and a beer. There you go. Because then if you don't like the lemonade, you just pour the beer in. There you go. I can, I can handle that. Yeah. But yeah, Thai uh, Cafe, I, best restaurant in Stillwater. Hands down, yeah. man. I mean, like, Amen. Hideaway's really good, and they got some good fast food places. But and I'll tell you, man. I think that I think the 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 lady that like is the hostess. I'm probably the owner, the owner's wife. Yeah, I think she's a mystic, man. <laughs> the, the, the first time I ever went there, um, I was meeting Trey Cobb for lunch, um, and Trey had got there, and he was around the corner. Uh, on the far side by the bathrooms and you can't see that when you walk in the front door um and trey was he just said i need a table for two and he they took him to the back didn't tell that i was meeting that he was meeting me what i looked like or anything uh, i get there about 10 minutes after he does and i i open the door and before i even step foot in that place that lady never she's sitting at her little table um behind the hostess stand and she goes she never looks up she's cleaning menus your friend is around the corner and i was just like what and so like i go around the corner and sure enough there's trey cobb and it there wasn't like he was the only one in the restaurant the thing was like packed <laughs> oh man that, she, has, uh, she has superpowers that's why the food's so good scared the crap out of me i've uh, i've i have made multiple trips since the pandemic started to Stillwater just to pick up thai cafe and bring it back home to eat yeah yeah, I've, so. I've probably eaten Thai Cafe more during the pandemic <laughs> than I did before because I, you don't have to fight for crowds. Yeah, amen. You can, you can pick it up, and there's like, you, if you want to eat there, there's like three people there at all times. Um, now there's a steady stream of people picking stuff up, but I, mean, I get that that uh, appetizer sampler. Whoa. Nice. And then honey sesame chicken. Honey sesame chicken. Yeah, there it is. God. So good. So good. Oh. Mm. All right, man, before I let you run. I don't do the salad. You don't do the salad? I I like the salad, but. uh, I don't like the peanut dressing. Yeah, I get that. It's not for everybody. I'm still getting my adult taste buds. I know, I know. You're you're like a chicken strip and ketchup kind of guy. I get that. I will say that when I go to Eskimo (laughs) Joe's, I get the the chicken strip basket with four tenders. (laughs) Oh, I love it, man. I love it. All right, give me a prediction today. Oklahoma State, Miami, in the Cheez-It Bowl. Hmm. What do you think? Ah, man. I've I've really, really gone back and forth on this. Um, 
because I think it's either going to be like a TCU type of game where it's low scoring and it's just a knockdown drag out, um, or it's going to be classic Big 12. Um, so I'm, I'll go 34-27 Oklahoma State. All right, fair enough. And last one, more yeah. rushing yards, Dominic Richardson or Desmond Jackson? I'll go I'll go Dez. Okay. Simply because I think they're I, I don't know because it's I, I don't know what type of role LD is gonna have. Um I think that Dez will probably I think with LD back, I think you'll probably see more LD and Dez than you do LD Dominic. Um so I, I think I think it'll be Dez, but I don't think it'll be by much. Okay. I think it'll. I, I think Dominic gets his yards, um, but with but with LD back, I think you're going to see more LD and Dez, um, and and you'll you'll see Dominic come in and he'll he'll get his yard. He might have more touchdowns than Dez, you know. Um, but I I think and I and one of our we do a buy or sell segment uh, on our show and one of mine yesterday was buy or sell Oklahoma State has over 200 rushing yards. Um, anywhere between 40 and 70 from Spencer. Yeah. If you have LD back to full health, LD was fantastic this year. Dez is fantastic this year and Dominic is fantastic. So I, I, I think you could see close to 300 rushing yards from OSU. I'm not saying that they will, but you look at the circumstances and you think those four guys should be able to combine for close to 300. So it's, it should be a fun game on the ground for sure, especially with the offensive line playing like the way they have. No doubt. Zach, I appreciate it, my friend. Uh, Happy New Year. Uh, We'll catch up again in 2021. I certainly appreciate you hanging out with me, and and I've had a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate it, and uh, I'll talk to you next year. All right. (laughs) Zach Lancaster, (laughs) folksreport.com, and Triple Play Sports Radio joining me on the Colby Daniels Podcast. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products Visit the website, abotanicalcompany.com, or give them a call, 405-458-9699. Educate yourself on what they have and how it can benefit your daily life. They're all about helping people. And so if you have any questions at all, uh, don't hesitate to give them a call, 405-458-9699. Also, when you check out online, abotanicalcompany.com, use the discount code COLBYSHOW, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, Show. At checkout for 15% off your online order. It's really simple. Abotanicalcompany.com. Colby Show at checkout for 15% off your online order. Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. All right, Oklahoma State, Miami, 4.30 start today. Excited about this game and and uh, just you know seeing how Oklahoma State finishes this year that, that overall I think was a disappointment, but uh, certainly from a momentum standpoint, um, you know, is, this is a this is a big game, and I think this can kind of set the tone for what their offseason looks like versus maybe the the dark cloud that could loom over this thing for an entire offseason with a, a disappointing performance today. Uh, by the way, tomorrow, at least as it stands right now, I don't know with all these Florida opt-outs over the last 24 hours, uh, if we have any more, this thing may, may get canceled. But as it stands right now, Oklahoma, Florida is a go. Mike Steely and I will have pregame coverage beginning at 5 o'clock tomorrow. So look for that tweet at Colby underscore Daniels. I'll tweet the link to our stream pregame show, five o'clock, Oklahoma, Florida, Cotton Bowl matchup. Again, green light as of now. We haven't had any more Florida opt-outs that I'm aware of. So uh, hopefully that thing happens and and, uh, 
Join us one last time this football season for uh, for our Oklahoma pregame show. All right, that is it. Everybody have a great day. Stay safe, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Okay, it's over.